So I think for a lot of books, it becomes more about how much consumer love can you get on on this book because you're going to be selling it online anyway. And those traditional gatekeepers that are really about physical books in a brick and mortar space, like a bookstore or a library, you know, less important. That's Angela Bowl, the CEO of IBPA, which just happens to be the proud, well, I hope they're proud, sponsor of this podcast. And we'll be talking with Angela about publishing in general and some of her thoughts for the future. But first, welcome again to Inside Independent Publishing with IBPA. Now, as I mentioned, we are brought to you by the Independent Book Publishers Association with offices in sunny Southern California, but with members all around the country. I'm an independent publisher and your host, Peter Goodman. IBPA's mission is to help you become a better publisher through advocacy, education, and tools for success. And if you're not a member, consider joining and becoming part of the IBPA family. Now, let's get started. Today, we're talking with Angela Bull, who's the CEO of IBPA, the uh, kind sponsor of this podcast. So, hi, Angela. Hi, Peter. Hi. How are you? Great. And uh, we've talked before. I was looking at the last time we talked was, I think, in January of this year. And, uh, you know, whatever forecasts you had... Uh, made back then, uh, they're just completely out the window now, thanks to COVID. Uh, not only um, has this year changed from what anybody thought it was going to be, but probably every year after this one now has also been affected in ways we could never have foreseen. Absolutely. So, in short, um, you know, I think the publishing world has changed forever, and I don't know if that's for good or for bad, Maybe a mix of both, and that's kind of what I'd like to discuss today. Yeah, absolutely. January feels like 17 Yeah, feels like ages ago. ago so yeah, lifetime ago. Like ages ago, lots has changed. Yeah, so whatever plans people made, are they're completely gone in terms of revenue, in terms of what they'd be doing, when books would be published, et cetera, et cetera. Everything has changed. One of the big changes that I think all of us have noticed, and that even IBPA has gotten involved with, was the uh, virtual events uh, uh-huh, done with absolutely. Zoom or with um, well, like we're talking on Skype. That that that's another one. And what does IBPA use? What's their platform? Uh, Webex. We use right? both Zoom and Webex. Yeah, we use them right. both. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, so let's talk about that. Uh, what have, what if what are your observations about virtual events? And uh, we know that they've taken off. Do you think that they they made a big difference? And more important, are they going to become a permanent part of the publishing landscape? Well, my to the first question, have they made a big difference? I'd say yes, yes, absolutely, and thank goodness for you know for Zoom and for WebEx and for Skype and for all the ways and we had to connect to each other. I don't I don't think we were using them as much as we could have been using them when it was possible for us to get together face to face, right? Because the technology didn't simply leapfrog in March and become something completely different from what it was for the past several years. It's just that we all tapped into what was available and kind of pressure tested, pressure tested it and started to use it in a more robust way. And I thought that felt pretty seamless in terms of the events that we were doing at IBPA and then the events that we saw our publisher members do as well. There was a lot of conversation in our member roundtables, for example, which are these bi-monthly meetups of members where they just talk about things of concern to them. 
there was a lot of conversation back in March, April, May, June about transferring all the author signings and author events into virtual spaces and pushing them through social media platforms. And I mean, a massive, massive uptick in that. Yeah, in a way, they they become so successful that I I think people who uh, were maybe trade show planners are perhaps a bit worried that they'll never actually be able to get back to where trade shows become the obvious way of people getting in touch with all the complications now of travel and the costs of hotels and travel and airplanes and yuck of being away from your family. Uh, Why do that if you can get just as good results by sitting at home in your pajamas? (laughs) Right, right. Well, I mean, I'm an introvert, so I feel that way very strongly. I feel uh, very comfortable at home in my pajamas. Uh, But I do think there are definitely reasons for us to get back face-to-face. You know, that serendipity that happens in live events is important. But to kind of talk to then the second question you asked me, which is, will this continue into the future? Will this be something that we'll continue to see? I think this hybrid approach is absolutely going to be something we'll see. I don't know that we're going to be a fully virtual space, but I no longer think that everything we do has to be only face-to-face. So, what we're trying to do at IBPA and what, again, I'm watching our publisher members do is find a nice mix between the two. So a virtual really enables you to reach a market far beyond your locale, which and it just makes me crazy to think about all the opportunity that's been lost over the past several years because we haven't been doing that, right? And now that we are, things are broadening. But we will, for example, bring our annual conference back to face-to-face as soon as it's safe to do so, which won't be sooner than 2022, but we do want to, we want to see people, right? Like we want to have that experience together. We want to make the warm, fuzzy connections as well. So yeah, it's got to be a hybrid, I think, doesn't it? Well, let's take that as an opportunity to just uh, mention that the uh, PubU is, as you say, going to be a virtual event next year. And uh, when is that going to be happening? The virtual dates are April 7th through the 10th of 2021. Um, and then, you know, another benefit of the virtual space is that recorded content is going to be online and available for the entire month for four weeks following. So there'll be ample opportunity to, to watch it. You can be in five places at once over the course of a month's time. So it had been scheduled for Orlando. And I think a lot of us were looking forward to kind of bagging the event and going, spending the day at Disney World instead. <laughs> yeah. But uh, I guess oh, is that what? we'll have to, yeah, <laughs> what, we'll, we'll have okay. to go attend the, the workshops online now. And, uh, you know. I see. I see. I'm on to you. I see. <laughs> right. So uh, so that's that's one thing that's happening. And, and it is interesting what you say that the we could have been doing this years ago. Um, sure. Maybe, sure. Not, I, maybe not five years ago, but it's, you know, in the last two or three years, these um, online uh, uh, event spaces have been, have been opening up and the technology has really improved a lot as people's bandwidth has increased. Uh, we have done it, but we, but we didn't because we weren't used to it. It didn't occur to us. And I guess there was no necessity to it. That's right. And for some reason, everyone's camera was broken. Yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> that was that was definitely happening for some reason. Yeah, especially in the morning, right? Right, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, uh, so, so that's one big thing. Another uh, big thing that's been happening in, in the publishing world has been a increased focus on diversity. And that has partly come as a result of events in the broader world uh, with the things that have been happening on, on the streets. It has just called attention to the fact that the publishing industry has and continues to be a largely white-dominated industry, and many, I guess, industry leaders have 
decide that that time has come to an end and it is not going to be a gradual evolution that people have to take really active steps in order to uh, change the culture. Uh, and I know IBPA has been having its own discussions about how to manage that as an association. What are some of your thoughts on diversity in publishing? It is an active conversation, isn't it? Um, definitely with an IBPA, but you see it um, just industry-wide. I, I, I'll mention that there is a actually a DEI town hall that the Book Industry Study Group is going to be putting on on October 21st, which I think is late enough after this podcast goes live that folks might be able to log in and check it out. Um, you know, what I'm seeing is just very helpful conversations that are starting to come out and come forth. And I, th- I think that that's where we are right now and what needs to happen for sure. So I think this town hall with BISG is going to be a great place to come in and to start to talk and to listen. Um, we've been working on our DEI plans for about six months now and just, you know, in a space where we, we know we need to look at our policies, we need to talk to our members more, we need to figure out what we can do to make our association feel more inclusive um, and be- so that it can become more diverse. Um, there's a lot there. I think it starts with just agreeing that the book publishing industry has a problem and that there is a problem. You know, I, I can't say that that's universally agreed across the industry right now, but it is certainly something we agree with, that there is a diversity issue within the publishing industry and that we need to take steps to resolve it. Do you, th- do you think that this, uh, this issue, in a way, is an opportunity to uh, demonstrate the, the say, the, uh, the potential, the flexibility of independent uh, publishers, author publishers, small presses versus the larger corporations uh, to be maybe more fleet of foot, to be more inclusive, to be more experimental, to be more adventurous? Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, and I love that question because it's kind of, the answer is just a hard yes. I mean, one of the reasons... Um, indie publishing is so exciting is because that's where a lot of the diverse voices are bubbling up and have been bubbling up for years and years and years and years because they've they've really been trying to or they in the past have knocked on the gates of traditional publishing and they haven't been let in because for one reason or another they're not publishing work that traditional publishing is used to publishing because their perspective has been largely white and upper class etc cetera, etc cetera, you know east coast based Um, all of the things that one could say. And so, you know, when you can't get into this room, maybe you'll try this other. And and a lot of indie presses and self-published authors and smaller presses um, are doing that work outside of the traditional space. Not necessarily because they didn't want to be in that space to begin with, but in some cases and in many cases because they couldn't get in. And sometimes it has to do with just the economic underpinning of the the industry. I guess the way the industry has relied or, shall we say, taken advantage of the intern programs that a lot of the publishers had where they'd make opening-level jobs available to people but not pay, saying, oh, you'll get experience and you'll be able to leverage that into a job later on. So maybe that's good for three or four months for people who have means or can still be supported by their families. But for lower income people, regardless of what culture or what ethnicity they're they're coming from, that was never an option. It was kind of a self-selecting tool to ensure that the people who are entering into publishing at the earliest level would be basically the, the same group of elite people who are running it. Yeah, it starts right there, doesn't it? Because um, you, you mean you need to start somewhere. And publishing is, um, I forget the word 
there's a specific word for it, but it's when you, oh, it's an apprentice yeah. business. You know, you have to kind of start at the bottom and climb up the ladder. You, for some reason, we're not very comfortable just offering somebody a middle management or a management job if you haven't already done the 17 steps prior to that job that need to be done. So it's a big thing. And I know you talked to um, Nicole Johnson from We Need Diverse Books several months ago now, or What is Time? Yes. I, I know we have a podcast with her talking about this um, internship program that We Need Diverse Books offers for just that exact reason. And um, it is crazy. You know, I think about when I was coming up and publishing in whatever year I will not mention, and, you know, you have to move to New York City, essentially, and you have to take a internship that's free or an entry-level position at like $30,000. Um, we have seen, by the way, I've seen several stories come out in Publishers Weekly of publishers rise, raising that minimum salary level in, across the board at their companies. And I think that also is um, in response to some of this. Sure. And it's probably one of the easiest and quickest things that, that they can do to make the more fundamental changes, the more substantive changes, is going to take a lot more time, of course. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. It takes time. But, but again, you know, coming back full circle to when we started in this conversation, it takes acknowledgement first, and then you can start. Um, so I think this, this space that we've had in 2020 with a great deal of acknowledgement that there is an issue, it's the start of something that then is, again, going to take time to work through. So let's uh, change the focus a little bit. I want to ask you uh, about bookshop.org and bookstores generally. The pandemic has been devastating to small retailers, bookshop.org, and maybe you could explain to people what bookshop.org is. Uh, I know you don't represent them, but they, they do uh, offer bookstores at least a chance of uh, surviving, keeping their, keeping their doors virtually open at least, and bookstores and publishers are friends or ought to be friends. How do you, how do you think the bookstore seem the scene is evolving or changing, and what role do you think Bookshop.org is playing, uh, especially with regard to independent publishers? Well, I, I, I'm big. I don't know if big fan. Uh, that's a weird way to phrase it, I suppose. But I'm, I'm very grateful that we have a Bookshop.org. I'll just start by saying that. I think you know the way that I see that company is a bit of a um, disintermediator of, for Amazon. So some place that consumers can go to purchase their books online you know, any book they want, basically, because it's going to be any book from the Ingram catalog. And in our industry, Ingram is such a, a juggernaut that that's almost every book available um, where they can go and purchase. And then that sale, rather than benefiting Amazon, is going to benefit the independent bookstores that are kind of signed on to, to bookshop.org. So if you haven't gone there or thought about it, you should. And then if you're a publisher, you can set up an affiliate account. You can sell books through your own affiliate account and you can get a cut of the profits as well. So we like that. We like any any other sales channel that's going to be out there to help bookstores pull in revenue. Will bookstores survive or what's the landscape? I think like I want to I want you to come back to me in 6 months time. I want to be optimistic, but I think we have to be realistic that this is very very difficult on brick and mortar businesses that require foot traffic. And it doesn't seem to me that the in the bookstore space you know, beyond Amazon has really cracked online sales in a meaningful way that could perhaps, quote unquote, save a business. Everyone thought that this pandemic was going to be four to six months at most. And uh, here it is, uh, October. Um, people have been sheltering in place since March or so. And it looks like we're going to go well into 20. 
21 Absolutely. Uh, before anything changes. And I don't know how long, it's, of course, it's not just independent booksellers. It's every kind of small retailer you could imagine. It is. It is. And I tend to be an optimistic person, but I, I do agree with you that this is not something that we're going we're gonna to hit the, the top of 2021 and everything's going to start to open back up. Um, but there are ways, given that truth, there are ways that you can support um, independent bookstores. It, it takes a, another level for a lot of people to not just like hit that, um, you know, purchase now button on Amazon, but to think about where is your local indie, all of them are going to have the opportunity or the availability to for you to buy through them. And and if you want to just go to someplace that's all inclusive, you can all, always go to bookshop.org in order as well. That That's another option if you don't have a local indie or if you don't want to figure out how to do curbside pickup, that kind of a thing. But there are ways we can help. It is a conscious choice that consumers can mm-hmm. make. Uh, but, you know, as we were saying, the uh, the rise of virtual events, people doing things uh, that they hadn't, hadn't done before just out of force of habit. Um, it's the same idea, I think, possibly with bookstores, with all the shopping that people do, the, the way that they're spending their money these days. It, bookshops used to be the place that you would go to hang out. And mm-hmm. uh, people shed those habits uh, maybe without even intending to. Uh, books, going to a bookstore is no longer one of the things you think you're, you're going to do when you go downtown because a bookstore isn't open. And so you find different ways of, uh, of managing it. Now, a lot of the small uh, IBPA members don't have distribution deals and maybe weren't even getting to the bookstores in the first place. Those that were, uh, maybe they're still getting to the bookstores, but perhaps with the uh, advent of virtual uh, connections with different associations and directly now with readership communities, the sense of I've got to get in the bookstore, I've got to get my, my book in front of the retailers, I've got to figure out how to sell my books in the uh, brick-and-mortar marketplace, maybe that's not as important for a lot of indie, indie publishers now, and maybe it never will be again. That's, that's one of my concerns. I agree with that. Um, I don't think it, it it has been as important, and it's another gatekeeping function. I think that it's been very difficult for smaller presses to get on the very limited shelf space available inside of a bookstore, particularly an independent bookstore that doesn't have multiple branches across the you know the country that they they support. In some cases, pandemic wise, if you're just talking about indie publishers and how the bookstore situation is affecting them, it's not that much. They were always direct-to-consumer or special sales publishers. And that's, you know, and that's what they've continued to lean into. There's even this idea for our publishing university that we do a track that's called Concept to Consumer, which I guess we could incorporate the middlemen that are in there. But there's this idea that, you know, you build the thing, you sell the thing direct. Um, I'm always going to love bookstores. So, you know, I'll always be kind of softly around the edges of that issue. But yes, they're they're a little bit out out of scope for, or a lot of out of scope, depending on your perspective, for a lot of indies. Well, uh, well, keep an eye on the subject. I I have no idea where where it's going to go. I I mean I I think it's safe to say though the the longer the shelter in place rules persist, the oh, yeah. more. Yeah, the more difficult it's going to be for all the retailers, including independent booksellers. Mm-hmm. The last thing I wanted to talk to you about today was, uh, and this is based on kind of a conversation that we had uh, a couple days ago about some other subject, but it gets down to the author publishers being respected or not. Maybe, that, maybe that's not the best word for it. 
being able to get their books reviewed, to join associations, to uh, be considered on a level with books that are coming out of so-called uh, traditional publishers. Do you feel that a- after all this, uh, that things are finally uh, changing, they're on the on the upswing, that author publishers and self-publishers no longer have to make excuses or try to say, look, I'm just as good as anyone else? Or do you feel they still have something to prove? I, that's such an interestingly phrased question. I think because I, you said that, and I thought, well, we don't we always have something to prove? Like, don't we always want to be doing amazing work and putting it out there and, and impressing people with the quality of what's happening here, you know? Yes, I still think there's a ways to go, and I'm, but I'm not sure that this is a ways to go that's ever going to be, we're ever going to finish walking it, you know? There's always going to be way too much content for the traditional publishing industry to kind of absorb. If we're just talking about review outlets, for for example, it's always going to be way too many books published in a year for a review outlet to uh, review, and they're going to try to put in put stop gaps in place so that they can just manage that workload. Now, I don't think that's a reason to put full stop author publishers on the other side of the table and just say no. I think that these these stop gaps should be made based on other criteria, not the business model, not how the book is published in terms of author publisher or traditional publisher or hybrid publisher or, or any of those things. I don't, I don't think that matters as much as the quality of the book, but we haven't been able to put into place or agree on anyway within our industry, what those quality measures might be. You know, I mean, one, one quality measure is just getting the application, right? That's something that I talk to people about, like, well, have an application that has a bar that that's you know really well defined and then if they they can't do that right then just chuck it i think that would be fine and i say that because i you know we accept a lot of metadata at ibpa and we work with a, a number of author publishers on programs and it's astounding the degree to which people don't get the application right don't get the metadata correct submit wrong isbn's um, typos in the description, all, all kinds of things will come through that could disqualify a book that has nothing to do with the business model. So I think our industry needs to start looking at, at those disqualifiers. I see. It's sort of like uh, you, you have to uh, you have to pass an IQ test in order to be able to <laughs> submit your book. You always throw in a, a trick question yeah, to see if yeah, they, they get exactly. that right, you get to go to the next level. It may have nothing to do with publishing or the quality of the book. It's just, are you reading this application form? Are you just right. you know, filling in the blanks? One point for adding your name. Yeah. Uh, a lot of, you mentioned the word gatekeepers before. You know, these are people who determine whether you're you're in or out. Do you think the gatekeepers are changing? Is it no longer going to be the say the distributor, the the bookstore buyer, the reviewer at the major media, or is it the the marketplace or the uh, author community that is? Going to going to decide, and should they be the ones to decide? I think the gatekeepers in the traditional publishing space, which is very small, you know, I think we, I think I remember once being at Book Expo and, and imagining there's like 50 people that quote unquote want run book publishing. Um, I don't see that changing very quickly, but in terms of the other, the vaster and the larger space, which again is more of a direct to consumer market, I think the consumers have a lot more to say. So, you know, to put it in in some concrete example, I think a Kirkus review 
is a really great thing to get if you want to get into libraries and bookstores because libraries and bookstores care about that kind of a vetting. But it doesn't matter for consumers. Nobody, my dad doesn't know who Kirkus is like, or what Kirkus is or why should he care? He cares that it has 50 five-star reviews on Amazon. So that it's kind of, you know, comes up in the rankings there. So I think for a lot of books, it becomes more about how much how much consumer love can you get on on this book because you're going to be selling it online anyway. And those traditional gatekeepers that are really about physical books in a brick and mortar space, like a bookstore or a library, you know, less important. Uh, one of the things that I that I haven't seen this is this is partly a result of having to go through the gatekeepers at least to get into the retail space is the long lead times that are still required of publishers from the time they announce the book to the earliest time that they are allowed to release it into the marketplace. And mm-hmm. we're still talking six, eight, ten months, so, uh, sometimes more. If you have a timely book, of course, that, that may work to its detriment. On the other hand, having that amount of time gives publishers uh, the opportunity to get all the testimonials, to prime the pump, to uh, put it in front of all the different buyers so that when the publication date finally does come around, it's got somewhere to go. Yeah, I don't. Uh, you know, I, I teach a class at UCLA for writers who want to know about publishing and we talk about self-publishing a lot. And it does, and I say, it doesn't matter to me if you have a distributor or not, or if somebody's telling you, you have to have a six month pre-pub window or not, you should anyway. Like, even if you're releasing it yourself and it's self-published on through Ingram Spark and, and KDP, you should give yourself a pre-pub window and not just finish the book throw it up and now you're launched and you're ready there should that all that work that comes in building the momentum and the steam and the interest and grabbing the reviews and redoing the cover so it has good blurbs on it this is all part of publishing as a profession and uh i think you should do it even if you don't have a distributor no no reason to slam a book out there that's a good way of putting it i mean suggesting that even if things are kind of loosening and you're pursuing a really alternative approach to what a traditional publisher would take, there's still certain things that are industry-wide practices that are not just there gratuitously or they're not just uh, remnants of some past age. They're not vestigial. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're still useful. They're still important. And, it, and you really have to know the difference between what is just there kowtowing to uh, hidebound tradition and, and what is there that is really going to work to your advantage even in the most contemporary retail setting uh, that's a, that's a pretty good point and of course if you're a publisher a budding publisher you don't know any of this stuff unless you uh, know something about the publishing industry and what better place to learn that than at ibpa am i right <laughs> that's right couldn't have said it better myself <laughs> we're very happy to help uh, we work with a lot of um, intro publishers, um, a lot of established ones as well, but but we definitely can help people understand how the book publishing industry operates. And so how do people find out about IBPA? Where are you located on the internet? Um, our URL is ibpa-online.org. And uh, you don't necessarily have to be a member to get some benefit out of visiting the site, right? A number of the, a lot of it is open. You I mean, you'll play around and, and maybe you'll click something that frustrates you because it's behind a firewall. And then you'll think, well, joining would make sense for me. But um, yeah, you can grab a lot of information just off the website. It's helpful in, in and of itself. Well, great. And uh, you're hopeful You're hopeful about the year ahead. I am. I, I, I am not hopeful that we are going to be going back to the office before at least midway 2021. I think this remote work is going to happen for us and for a lot of our members for it. And you kind of like it, right? Well, I do, but... 
and you know, all of our staff does too. We tend, we have a, we have a bookish staff. So I think they're pretty comfortable, you know, I mean, I think it will be difficult and the transitions will continue to happen, but we will figure this out. There will be another side to the situation that we're in. And um, we have to keep looking at the opportunity that's arisen in this space. And we've talked in about a number of different things that have been opportunity for the industry and, and we need to continue to look for those things. Yeah, it's certainly not all bad. Uh, in, in fact, I, I, every time I talk to publishers, I find them doing new stuff and rather energized and optimistic about uh, what they're going to do. I, I suppose part of it is like um, they have no choice. You know, it's like you can't wish that things would go back to the way they were. Mm-hmm. You have to deal with what's ahead of you and uh, the publishing industry has actually shown a lot of flexibility Absolutely. in making new uh, connections available. And I, I think one great thing is that it has really brought uh, authors and publishers much, much closer to their uh, reading audiences through social media, through these virtual events. You know, if you had a physical event in a bookstore, it was great for people to be able to meet an author in person. But you maybe have, what, 12, 25, 30 people showing up. But uh, Can you believe it? That we used to do it like yeah, that? Yeah. That's crazy. And we wouldn't even film them and put them on YouTube. We would just be like, well, that was great for those 30 people. Right, right. And now you get 60, 80, 100 people, and people can buy the book while they're attending the event. I mean, it's, it's kind of seamless. Uh-huh. Um, so... Those are those are good things to come out of all this, and maybe there'll be more some some more good things coming up too. Well, thank you, Angela. It's been great talking to you again. Absolutely, thanks, Peter. Always a pleasure. Thanks again to Angela Bull from IBPA for giving us some of her thoughts on how the pandemic has affected publishing and where she thinks things are going in the future. Now, despite all the issues raised by COVID nineteen. I really can't help but notice how many industry leaders are just inherently optimistic about the future of publishing. It's not that book publishing doesn't face its challenges, it does of course, but content is malleable and so are the forms in which it can be delivered. So while brick and mortar retailers may be limited in a physical sense to their location and to the need for human beings to come into and out of their shops, Authors and publishers are basically untethered in space and they're free to coalesce and to sell their electrons in a variety of formats, all customized to the needs of the occasion and to the consumer. And that's really one fundamental difference and advantage that publishers have. And maybe to the extent that publishers are small and independent, they have even more opportunities to massage their offerings into whatever forms the marketplace and the consumers desire. And that's really important for us to understand about our industry. We have many, many options, and we don't have to get locked into any one format or any one medium or any one market. I I know a lot of publishers understand this, and they are taking full advantage of the strength that their flexibility affords them. Do you agree? Do you disagree? Well, please let me know at, at Peter Goodman or at IBPA on Twitter. And be sure to check out IBPA at ibpa-online.org. Some of the events and items mentioned in today's podcast are in the podcast notes, so check them out too. Well, thanks for listening. I'm Peter Goodman. And as my bosses in Japan used to say, 
Let's have publishing fun and stay safe.